Welcome to Peer Into Recovery, a podcast with a focus on the profession of peer support. For more information about how to subscribe, please visit our website at www.vprsn.org. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Peer Into Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Newcomb. Today, we've got a great guest. His name is Michael Lane. And Michael comes to us from Fairfax, Virginia, out there in Region 2. And he works at the Fairfax Falls Church CSB, or Community Service Board. He's the Division Director of Recovery Services there. Michael has a bachelor's in drama, which could make this very interesting, uh, from UC Irvine. And then also a master's in organizational learning and effectiveness, which means this should be organizationally effective about being dramatic. <laughs> and he holds that master's from <laughs> uh, University of the Pacific. <laughs> and uh, I probably shouldn't laugh during all your credentials here. Uh, he also has uh, a RAP facilitator certification. Um, as well as Certified Wellness Works Trainer, which is support of mental health in the workplace. Got that from Canada, actually, which is pretty interesting. And he is an NCPS, which is the National Certified Peer Specialist. Michael, how are you doing today? Oh, fantastic. Great to be here, Chris. Thank you for the invitation. And, and by the way, I sometimes laugh at my own credentials, so I think think, you, think one should sometimes. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I feel better. My, my, my uh, credential laughing guilt is gone. <laughs> yes, well, I'm glad you uh, accepted and are here today to talk about all things peer support. So, Michael, let's go ahead and learn about you. We'll get right to it. Tell us about your story of origin, you know, where you came from and kind of your journey into being a peer. And then we'll talk about how that led to uh, what you're doing professionally now. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Chris. Uh, I first became a peer specialist in 2011 um, in Sacramento, California. I'm originally from California. And, um, you know, of course, what led there uh, like uh, um, many, if not all of our listeners, there's there's quite a journey that went on before, um, you know, things uh, you talk about um, childhood with uh, various traumas and um, you know, dislocations and disconnections from family, friends, everything that went on before and led me to becoming homeless by the time I was 18. Wow. And I've been homeless four times in my life, um, you know, both in, in very different places, including up in the mountains and the sub- sub- suburbs in a large city in San Francisco, um, and uh, many times learned a lot of different place, things, different places, and and um, you know was going in and out trying to figure out what was going on, you know, with my life. My and when I explain it, like when I was eighteen, it felt like the, a bomb went off in my head. You know, in the movies, when you have when a bomb goes off and like there's this ringing and they can't hear anything around them, and you're like completely separated from the world around you, and it's just like it goes into slow mo, and then it goes. Yeah. And they start following. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, that's what it was like. It was like I just completely shut off from um, everything around me. I was like, and spent a, you know, years trying to um, kind of recover from that to, to, to find out, okay, what can I do? And I tried a lot of different things. Um, many of them were not so healthy. <laughs> you know, did, as I got desperate for, you know, I, I wanted for what, what was going to work. Um, I included using substances of, of, of various sorts, um, eventually, which became a huge problem in my life as well. And, you know, it was in and out of trying and it, one of the things, you know, I have a degree in drama. Well, theater and show business was worked for me in the, in the middle of that because I could hold it together for about three months to do, say, a show. 
right? So I could help, you know, from addition to rehearsal to performance to closing and boom, and you know, I could hold it together that long, you know, not all the time, but sometimes. And then boom, I was <clears throat> out. I was done. I was wiped out for, for a long period of time. And that kind of cycle sure. continued, not just with the um, uh, um, theater, but in general in life and, you know, unable to do anything, hold down a job for a little bit, fall out, go to school for a quarter, fall out for a year, you know, and I, I think I counted it up one time and I had like 10 different periods of going to school, <laughs> of going to college. And, right. Um, so, well, you know, there's a meme <clears throat> that says, uh, well, it's a graphic that uh, on the left side, uh, it says success at the bottom. And from the left corner to the top right is just a straight arrow. And then right, uh, right. to the next part of it is it starts from the left corner and then does like 14 circles and, and, you know, a complete, like, you know, just tangle. And then at the end of the tangle, mm. it goes to the top, right. And it says actual success. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's more like a squiggle, like a random yes, squiggle. Yes. And yeah. so 10, <laughs> 10 different times still got you to that top right corner. And with the masters, I might add. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, what's interesting and I'll get to a se second, but when I was, you know, by 2015, I had actually met every life goal that I'd ever thought I'd have plus some because I, I actually never thought I would get anywhere close to where I am today. Um, I thought if I could barely uh, um, just get a bachelor's degree, if I could, you know, just feel like I had a job and um, and maybe have a couple relationships that were, you know, that were not completely toxic, that I would be, um, I would have made it in life. And so, um but yeah, that that's um, in in 2010 into 2011. I would I had was there was a final period of homelessness. I'd been in 2008. I had kind of given up because I tried and just tried and tried and tried, and I just completely bombed out of, of school of UC Irvine or studying drama. I went and studied abroad and. England, that was super cool. Still paying that off, by the way. Still paying that off, by the ah. way. Anyhow, that's a, <laughs> that's a, and that's a, um, was, and then I just lost everything. I went from this high and just, and for three years, I just gave up. I was like, I can't, I don't have it in me anymore. Wow. It wasn't until 2010 that I felt this, you know, kind of this calling within me, within my soul, within my heart, just saying things can be different. You can do it again and start looking around at the world around me. I was living in transitional housing and, you know, that's, which was, you know, you're only, I wasn't supposed to be there that long and finally made, started making some changes in my life. Um, started, uh, kind of putting the pieces together, things that had kind of worked before and adding the, some more things to it that didn't work. So things like sleep hygiene, militant sleep hygiene, that was key for me, sure. my own spiritual life, spiritual journey, doing a lot of spiritual, um, readings, yeah. having, um, and then putting all the many pieces together so that I could um, uh, and the connections with other people. So 2011, got, got uh, uh, first job as a peer recovery specialist. Started volunteering first, just doing things, and then got a full time job as a uh, peer partner of the Mental Health of America of Northern California, um, which is now called Cal, Cal Voices. Working in a uh, mental health clinic. Yeah, worked there three years. Um, went back to school to finish six months of you know, getting a bachelor's degree. Now, let me ask you, came, uh, let me, let me yeah. ask you this. How did it feel for you? You've been through four periods of homelessness and mm -hmm. you walk across the stage to get your degree. How'd that feel? Um, 
one of the weird things like no one out there really knows what went into it right to get there you know there's i mean very a few people you know a very few people knew what was went into it and i think of that so much so often we uh, for many people that you get something you achieve you you and nobody knows what happened to get there <clears throat> the grief the pain the struggle the the you know all the disconnection and um it, it was fine like wow i i achieved this and I'd also uh, met somebody who was a very healthy relationship. I'd gotten married, wow. married in, in 2012. I never thought, I thought, you know, it'd be a long time before I'd be healthy enough to get married. Right. I, started to have, you know, I had a child, you know, I never thought I'd have children of my own. Sure. I, that's, it was, uh, but it was like, it was surreal. Cause like, okay, now what? Right. I have everything I ever dreamed of and I have things I've never dreamed of. You know that, but it was, it it was terrific, and it was. Um, yeah, I would say it might have might have been a. Uh, it, you know, it could have been a, a a catalyst or launching point for I. I rose up, and I'm resilient, and I'm here to stay. Uh, you know, uh, you know, and I don't know if that's exactly how you felt. The reason I say that is is I'm a first generation college graduate. And uh, mm -hmm. it took me five years to do my undergrad. And when I walked through and got that degree, one of the things I felt was no one can take this from me. This is permanent. Yeah. And I could always look back at that as a reference point. If I started to sense like, oh, you know, you're not all that smart about this or that. And I just look at the wall and go, mm -hmm. oh, really? Oh, really? <laughs> a, a governing body decided you were. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was, you know, those, it, you know, you, you have different uh, goals in life and some of them you get a certificate with and some of them you don't get a right. certificate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's, there's, you know, but, um, a lot of times there are, you know, kind of tangible things and it was, um, it, it also helps me to remember that what some of the miracles are possible when I'm, you know, talking to someone or being with somebody who is just, everything is going so I'm like why what's what's going on in your life oh my gosh that um that some of the folks are like oh they'll never make it they're, they can't they're they aren't ready or whatnot that's all those things we talk about people about and that's like yeah i was i was there too and here i am and that was yeah. isn't that the power of being a peer because we speak from authority of our our lived experience and and you know every picture tells a story but it doesn't tell every story you know, I, when yeah. talking to you, I, I was not thinking, well, I can't wait till he gets to the part about being homeless four times. Like that, <laughs> that did not present to me. Uh -huh. And, and, uh, and not that it should or shouldn't, it, it's just, that's the power of being a peer is that we delve into story. And as you know, as uh, someone with a vast experience and even education in drama, we are a people of story culturally. Mm -hmm musically theater books as humans we love story and most of us love a come from behind story yeah we we do and that's and really i think all of us are coming from behind in one way or another yeah. and it's interesting you, you talk about you know theater and story when i actually got into being a peer specialist i was like hey do i want to do do this or we want to go back into do theater and i actually started a, a theater company in sacramento and i um it was and we were basically was working with theater professionals. Plus, and I started out telling, getting a tiny little my 
microgrant. That's one reason why microgrants is an idea I had for the year of the peer. Oh, okay. That uh, um, that from the from an arts commission in Sacramento it was like two thousand dollars, which was amazing. But it was to um, direct a show about mental health in Sacramento and to create one. Wow! I went around, and started doing all these story circles, and I told myself I am going to do this, and then I'm going to go around to all these groups and all these people, and then somebody's going to give me a job at working in this field. Yeah. And it, you know, and that's the stupidest plan on earth. It worked, right? It it worked. It it worked. I went around. I was going to all these board meetings, committee meetings. I was going to organizations. Eventually, someone said, "Hey, uh, you, there's this job. You should apply for it." And, it, and darn if it didn't work. But I, the first show I directed was called Sacramental. <laughs> it was about, and it was, yeah, I love it. So it was, it was uh, and it was great. I had some people who were, you know, uh, impacted themselves and were, you know, mental health conditions, and then some people who are theater professionals who maybe weren't. Yeah, performing side by side, and we kind of wrote and told the story together. Yeah, and you know, performed it in a theater. Um, did one more, one more piece uh, um, after that um, called "When the Colors Come Back," and it was commissioned a play from somebody with that had serious mental health challenges the whole life. I was a writer, and it was back. You know, when the colors come back, that's what he described to him. Wow. Uh, when when uh, um, when when kind of finding recovery, and so I, I did those two things, and then I realized I was paying everybody but myself. <laughs> and uh, I can't. And I had to make. And plus, I was, you know, trying to. I was like going to start a family, which I never expected. And I was like, I can't work full time and do this other th- and do the theater and be all present. So I decided, you know, I'm just going to let that. I'm going to set that down gently and loving. Yeah. Um. And into this new field, I was. In. I like that when you said set it down gently and lovingly. Um. And you know what a what a gift it is to be able to follow a dream. And to be able to see some of it come to fruition in whatever shape or form, um, you know, that's a powerful thing. And so to our listeners, if you have a dream and you gave up on that dream, maybe you set it down for a time for whatever reason, and there's no judgment on any of that, you could pick that dream back up and you can follow it and you can chase it. Or maybe you're on it, going to it right now. Keep going, keep going. And, and for me that, there are there were times in my life that set down dreams. For that one, it was a hey, I found something that I didn't know was there before, and started to have a new relationship with the with the arts that was in its in its role in my life. And you know, sometimes I do pick it up for a moment, you know, here and there, and um and, and enjoy it. But uh, there's a lot of other things um and that I do, and I'm able to express have creativity in in my work now. So tell us a little bit about what you do uh, now at the Fairfax uh, Falls Church CSB and you're working there as the division uh, director of recovery services. Yeah, and one of the exciting things about it is that we have so much peer support work and so many peer recovery specialists. And yeah, when I we have just working for the CSB, we have between 40 to 50 with our partners. We have another 40 to 50 more, wow. depending on how you count it, including your, if you're including volunteers and Things like that, and and I I work with a great leadership team, including Diana Taylor uh-huh. and Cynthia Evans. Yeah. Cynthia Evans. So the, those are the two on my. Yeah, yeah. Lo, those two, I could not do the work without them. Uh, I was so grateful for Diana to come up uh, from Richmond. Actually, up here, to, Diana was yeah. uh, one of the uh, um, facilitators for my rap training. Right and, on. So it was okay. Carla Heath, if you yeah. know her. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. Um, they're terrific, and, and and together, really, what we 
lead is um, I oversee a no- some programs directly. That's kind of under my line. That's oversee a manager, Diana, we oversee supervisors, oversees a few programs, including our peer outreach response team responding to overdoses, um, our striving to achieve recovery peer team, which is operates in our adult detention center, which operates a recovery unit with the sheriff's office, uh, our new peer mental health navigation program, which we're operating. In addition to the other, uh, um, those are the ones I have the closest involvement with other than I consult with, um, the, like another 10 programs and helping uh, coordinate the uh, uh, peer support work and making sure peer specialists are um, supported. In addition to that, um, also overseeing uh, peer support contracts, so uh, uh, contracts we have. So I um, oversee the contract for our four recovery centers, which is done through RPSV, Recovery Program Solutions of Virginia, mm-hmm. Um, a couple of contracts for the, with the Chris Atwood Foundation we have for delivering services, including uh, um, uh, a program in our adult detention center with uh, peer uh, jail reentry. Um, they were awarded a new contract to open up a recovery center, a recovery community center, and they're working on finding a location for that. So I've received that. And we, there's some other, uh, um, <clears throat> other ones, too, which we oversee. And so it's kind of... Uh, um, helping to make sure that that we're following recovery principles and we're, we're following um yeah w- what peer support is all about because as, as we all know it's very easy to drift and i won't say we're perfect and it's sometimes it can feel like whack-a-mole but uh, um what we try to do is find ways to support uh, uh peer recovery specialists support program leadership and i, I get to um you know I'm, I'm what i'm one of the division directors at the csp and this is one of the things that I think it, one of the reasons I came here from California is because rarely do um, people in this type of position get to operate at that high a level where you're operating at the same level as the person who's running all the residential services, as the person who's running all the emergency services. You're uh, same level as all, all, the, all the clinicians and serving on those teams right. and reporting, reporting to the same people who are um, doing all that oftentimes it's usually a step lower or two. Um, so that's, that's, uh, it's a gift. And really I feel I get a lot of respect from people who are serving in those positions where we are really respected as peer recovery specialists, not just that, Oh, you're that, that weird guy. One, you know, <laughs> yeah, that weird guy, you're doing that thing. You don't really know what you're talking about. I mean, sure there, you get that occasionally sure, yeah. or sometimes, you know, there's but, probably uh, just um, a drama fo- dude. <laughs> <laughs> So sometimes, you know, that's sometimes we need a little more drama in our life because it gets that's boring. Exactly. Um, that's, yeah. Yeah. For sure. So that's that's what I um, that's what I do, and there's a lot involved in it. You know, it's identifying trainings. There's um, just there's the day to day stuff of you know invoices and trying to um, do RFPs for uh, uh, contracts and reviewing them, and then there's the trying to figure out staffing challenges and all that, which is, you know, like everybody else, we have them. So there's a, and then trying to, you know, connect peer recovery specialists together the way I can. And there's the pandemic interrupted uh, um, all, many of those efforts that uh, like it did for, for so many people. I mean, we're hardly unique in that. And we're trying to kind of get back to, back to that. Uh, that's what, that's what I do that's now. Awesome. And, and you mentioned RFP for our listeners um, that, that stands for really fun people. <laughs> no, yeah. Oh, I wish. Um, y- usually the opposite. Yeah. Um, but with with all due respect sure. to uh, people who work in procurement, but uh, um, uh, um, reco- re- 
request for uh, proposals. So like when you're doing like a grant or you say, hey, we want we have this. Uh, um, we did it with the um, recovery centers, for example, mm-hmm. put it out there. So we want people to run these uh, um, several recovery centers. Organizations give us your proposal about um, how you're going to do that, how you're going to pay for it. And it's way, yeah, hundreds of pages long. Oh, wow. And that that they've got to turn in because it's, you know, hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars where you it's are zeros. that they're, yeah, go, going for. And there's so many rules and laws and regulations. And I got to work with the people and go, why can't we do that? Because <sighs> I'm going to go to jail. Ah. Okay, <laughs> I guess we won't do that. I was going to say, just make sure you don't go buy the Lamborghini. <laughs> yeah. They will find you. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So much of it is just kind of a little, little details. And uh, now mostly it's, you know, because, just want to make sure everybody's set up for success and things are fair and equitable. Well, you know, it's kind of what you were saying. You know, leadership is about serving the people that work, you know, with you and for you. Uh, but it's also, you know, being able to jump in when when needed. And and what sounds really great about, you know, your philosophy is that you're making sure that you maintain that that base of I'm a peer first, and then that informs how I see the outcomes of what I'm doing because there are people's lives who are being changed through the services we're giving. And then operationally, you know, you're making sure that those things all, you know, I's are dotted and T's are crossed so that the best chance for healing occurs. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, I, I would say so. And when, um, some of that, what that might look like, like kind of practical terms is, um, when like designing a new program, uh, doing program development. Okay. How do you do it? You, you just do it kind of the standard way. But, you know, on, going back to what, what my kind of philosophy or why I got into this, one of the reasons why I was, you know, working as a peer specialist, like, okay, what do I want to do? How do I want to grow? And I, you know, there's many people go the route that we go to get a master's degree in counseling, they become a clinician or whatnot. And I realized that <clears throat> I didn't want to do that, but I was noticing so many behavioral health organizations, peer organizations, and also just standard ones were so unhealthy. And also the services were so mismatched between what people really needed. And so that's why I got the master's degree I did because I, uh, some of my specialties were in design thinking, um, which is really, um, you know, how things like the um, iPhone invented, yeah. you know, things like that. Yeah. Th- those sort of a- approaches where, which people didn't even know that they wanted it until they, that, it, it, it tapped into something I really need until it was there. People were like, you know, I don't, I don't really need that. You know, what's this computer in a pocket? You know, what people before you think about 2000, nobody knew that they needed or wanted that. It and now it, we, yeah. And so, but really tapping into what people really need, not just always, you know, what people, what, um, and so you can do things that are not just incremental. So what that looks like is like doing journey mapping where you're doing a lot of deep empathy, like developing a persona for somebody who's coming in for our services. And we, we did this recently with uh, designing our peer mental health navigation. So somebody's coming in and what's going on in their lives? Like, let's call him Jeremy. Let's, uh, what's going on in Jeremy's life that he's getting in fights with his brother all the time. His brother wants to kick him out of the house unless he gets treatment. He's coming in because, you know, his brother told him to. Also, he's like, ah, you know, maybe I'll try it this time. And he's, but he keeps getting in fights with his brother. He's getting kicked out. He's becoming homeless and like really connecting with, it's not about him showing up. It's sometimes it's not about, you know, his uh, bipolar disorder sometimes or the substance use. It's about really what's going on for him as a person and connecting with not just what he what he shows up with, but understanding when before he comes back, what's going maybe going on in his life before he would come on and uh, really trying to penetrate some of the barriers and he's feeling frustrated and angry and hopeless and um 
all, all those sorts of things, really spending a lot of time with that, yeah. designing around those things, not designing around the DSM criteria, right? You know, or or levels of care that you have available, and really kind of looking at. And so that's what I studied. That's those sorts of things and other other specialties to really get at. Now, how do you, how can organizations you know, be more effective and be be healthier? And so that's uh, that's what I try to connect to often is when we're getting into this bureaucratic mess, which I'm in all the time, sure. is re- re- finding opportunities to do that sort of thing. Very few people in behavioral health um, have that sort of training or background. And that's why it's like, I find your niche. You know, that's completely different than anybody else. And just yesterday I was in a meeting that included like emergency room physicians, included people from uh, um, various you know, programs in the, in, in the Fairfax County, included fire and rescue po- folks. And we're all looking at the youth overdose crisis and trying to, and it's all the high level people trying to figure out an answer. What can we do about youth because we don't have any place to send people? And everyone's kind of swirling around. It's like, hey, let's get up and like map this. And let's like hop out. And people who know me know I love a whiteboard. Like literally get up. Okay, we, we let's develop these profiles. And w- where are all these things we're just talking about? When you get th- something up there visually so people are looking at it, it can cut through a lot of crap. You can sit there and just talk your way around a circle for an hour. Or And, and pardon me, you know, I hope, uh, that's not exactly cussing. But you cut through a lot of stuff. And, and so, and people are like, it completely changed the conversation because that is now we're talking about kind of mapping stuff, not just talking around in a circle with 12 people who are all frustrated. And that is, and it was, it completely changed what we were, how we were going to approach the problem. And, you know, it was, it's not a genius. It's a bunch of circles and lines on a, on a whiteboard, but if it's not what your training lends you to think about, you don't go to it early, early on. Well, to bring it all back full circle, we've been on a journey this morning of sorts, mapping out your story as a peer and then moving into becoming a peer recovery specialist. And now the work that you're doing as division director there at the Fairfax Falls Church Community Service Board. I'm going to be a little cheesy here and I'm going to use that uh, journey mapping as a segue or a segue into talking about uh, arts and music and and uh, as it relates to uh Year of the Peer. So for those of you who are listening, you probably have heard of this movement that's been going on uh, in 2023 uh, called Year of the Peer. And um, Michael Lane came up with that idea. And uh, so uh, we're going to hear how that came to be. Uh, yeah, uh, let me start by saying I might have come up with the idea, but I'm doing very little of the actual work for it. There's a, a huge number of people who are working, who are doing um <laughs> Yeah, amazing stuff to make this um, happen. It, it was October 2021, and yep. uh, um, there, there's uh, the Peer Recovery Specialist Stakeholder Roundtable. It's a monthly meeting of um, just we call um, uh, peer recovery specialists and others, especially in leadership roles that meet uh, from around the, the state in Virginia. And I'd had this idea, and I'd been thinking a long time about, okay, what do we need? You know, and I, I was thinking kind of through different, one of the things I like is something called the four frames of Bowman and Deal and Google it, everyone. But uh, that's- What was that again? The, the four frames? The four frames uh, by Bowman and Deal. And it basically, it's four different frames of looking at a problem. And I've taught this to the uh, Recovery Leadership Academy as well. Okay. You know, where you have these different frames, you look at kind of the structural framework, how it kind of operates as a machine. You look at the the family kind of resource, the, what it called the human one, where it's like, what, 
how things are interacted as a family. You looked at kind of the political, the power dynamics, and you look at kind of the symbolic, you know, kind of framework, which oftentimes you know, kind of the metaphors like a circus or a temple, something like that. Kind of going through like, what do we really need? I realized that people really need to, after the pandemic, to, to come together. And also like so much of what we've done, you know, so much in Virginia has grown hugely. And there's so many strides and I, there's so much further to go. But to really have a time you kind of focus in on and celebrate and really yeah. kind of um, bring those, bring that success together and kind of create a new foundation around it and something, a symbol that people can understand and just popped in my head, year of the peer. I thought, wow, what if we had a whole year just of celebration about peer, peer recovery specialists? And it kind of like popped in my head and the, the various components of it that we'd have things like a proclamation. And I understand that's the governor's working on doing that. We, uh, announcing year of the peer, we'd have events that are happening in the statewide level, also locally or regionally, and that we, um, have micro grants, mini grants to, to support some organizations who wouldn't be able to do something like that otherwise, especially, yeah. you know, like in rural areas, other places that are, you know, more, a lot more cash strapped, uh, a lot, a lot harder to do that. That we have opportunities for bringing, people together that we have like promotional activities like videos and um, that are produced. <clears throat> and they were really encouraging people to, um, to, to celebrate together. And I have a conference and that those are all things. And I, I created, I think four slides, three or four slides and pitched it and say, Hey guys, I got this idea. And I knew the only way this is going to happen is a bunch of people would have to get on board. And three out of four times you pitch an idea, as you know, you kind of yeah. like get it. Okay, thanks. And we're moving on to the next person, you know. <laughs> oh, wow. It's it's Friday at lunch. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's thanks. You know, most most ideas don't go and it, for some reason it, it and not I know for some reason I know, but it, it really resonated with people. Like, wow, we really want to do this and in um 2022 and I knew that we needed to it's 2021. This is going to take a long time to prepare, but also, you know, I, I, this is something I couldn't do on, on my own sure. if it, a lot of people were interested. We could do something. A lot of people weren't, and that's cool, but I'm not going to try to force the issue. And I had some stuff in early 2022 kind of going around in my you know, personal life and others just kind of that I was not able to really give any energy to kind of convene people together. It was uh, it's getting to be the middle of you know 2022, and some other things were kind of smoothing out. And then I had a conversation with Mark Blackwell, who says, I, you know, people were talking about this. Let's do this thing. Mark Blackwell, the director of the Office of Recovery Services, let's do this thing. Um, I want to put some resources. I want to put some um, get, get our team on. Let, let's do this. And he started really leading the and uh, leading leading this and really kind of influencing people very strongly to to make this happen. And, and really, it, it did take financial resources. And so his office making um, many tens of thousands of dollars. Maybe I, I, he would have to tell you like perhaps over a hundred thousand dollars available around the state wow. to do these various activities. So we were able to do micro grants in which we have awarded uh, t uh, 10 around the state. We were, we're producing videos, which are going to not just be good for you to appear, but lasting for a while. There are two conferences, you know, put, uh, put on with roads to recovery and vocal Virginia are putting on these conferences. There's um, swag, peer gear, 
uh, it's called. Right. There's a there's a logo, which a great team from uh, including Robin Hantelman, Jana Harris, Shreya Walker, and I'm going to miss uh, other names that are right. that designed and they developed a toolkit around to, to help people to uh, um, to be able to celebrate that and have tools to to do that. And the, the logo was got a lot of symbolism to it. Um, yeah, and it's a cool logo. And, and it's and they really people started putting things together, and then we're like, okay, we got to kind of organize this thing. And I told Mark, you know, I I just can't be overall. I know it's my idea, and usually if you have an idea, you're volunteering yourself to delete it. <laughs> I said, sure, I just, sure. I just can't. You, know, you heard, you know, all the things that are going on, but really uh, started coming together, and some things came together fairly quickly. And I um. I think it's beautiful that we're able to kind of celebrate because it is the year of the pier. We're here. And to our listeners, um, this is the year of the pier and 2023 uh, is moving uh, with momentum statewide and, and every locale uh, celebrating being a peer for those who are, who are on the way to becoming a peer mm-hmm. uh, come on in. There's plenty of room. Mm-hmm. And um you know, I want to thank our guest, Michael Lane, for being here. Again, he's the uh, Division Director of Recovery Services there in Fairfax Region 2 at the Fairfax Falls Church Community Service Board. And um, Michael, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, you're welcome. And thank you, Chris. Um, and happy year of the peer. Amen to that. I want to thank our listeners for listening to the Peer into Recovery podcast, which is brought to you by the Virginia Peer Specialist Network and Mental Health America Virginia. And if you like our show and would like to subscribe to the podcast, please visit our website at www.vprsn.org. And please leave us a brief review on iTunes. In the meantime, please take care of yourselves, everyone. We'll see you soon.